show was created by a menace for menaces. Menace to society. From menace to decent society. And always has been a menace to society. You are now locked into a brand new episode of the Menace to Society podcast. Made for those who don't settle, don't stick to the status quo, and for those who aren't afraid to think outside the box. Let's go. If you aren't afraid to speak up or do things differently, even when things do not make any sense to most people, then this is for you. We smash goals and crush average. All day, a day, baby. The Menace to Society podcast starts now. Welcome to another episode of the Menace to Society podcast, where we crush average and become savages. We're going to see if we can... Oh, dang. You're wearing the shirt. We got my man, Nikki T, the triumphant life world shaker, uh, money maker. Because he helps his clients make money. And we're going we're gonna to dive into that. Before we get into where you are currently, the, the, the purpose of this show is, is a couple of things. One, I want people to hear that it, it doesn't matter where you start. It matters where you decide to go. And so I want them to hear a little bit of your story. I think that's important. A lot of times people look at where somebody's at and they get all confused. They think somehow he stumbled in to the success or she stumbled into the success that she's having. And we both know that's never the case. There's a lot of battles that get fought off the camera. And so I want to talk about some of those. Uh, yeah, there we go. We got the Thor hammer here. And we'll talk about that, actually. I want to make sure we hit on the alter ego thing that I think is so important if you're going to decide to win, right? And that it's just a decision. So uh, I also want to leave them with some tactical stuff. And I want to talk to them about how you're helping your clients make tons of money by writing a book and branding in the marketplace and helping people blow up. So let's start not at the very beginning, not like where you're falling out of your mother's womb beginning. Like we're going to fast forward a little past that. But uh, talk to me about your upbringing. Where did you, where'd you grow up? Dude, T. Byrne. Stoked to be here, man. I, like, I, man, like when you invited me to be on the Menace podcast, I was like, well, one, uh, he's a G and I can't wait to, like, I'm honored. Like, I was pretty stoked about that, too. I had to rock my F-A-B-L t-shirt that you gave me on your last trip to San Diego. So I was, like, <laughs> dialed in. And as you can see, I was like, well, crap, I'm going to have to bring the thunder. So I'm going to summon Thor's hammer here with me and we're going to roll for the rest of this conversation. Dude, I grew up in uh, Prescott, Arizona, but not Prescott official because we weren't that wealthy to be in Prescott. We were in mm. Prescott Valley and couldn't even be there. So we were way out in the boonies in a town called Coyote Springs, bro. So I grew up in Prescott, Arizona, about two hours north of Phoenix. Dang. So give me an idea. How big is it? Like, how many paved roads are there? Let's see how small. So what's crazy is when I was growing up there, like we grew up on a dirt road and like if it rained or snowed, you couldn't get through, like you'd get stuck, man. It was really mm -hmm. beautiful. Like very grateful to have that small town Friday night lights feel where we grew up, you know, with the same group when you did every sport together and everybody's dads were the little league and soccer coaches. And then, you know, as we grew up and got into high school sports and stuff, like everybody knew you. And it was like the coolest thing to play a game on a Friday night and like go to the grocery store and have people be like, hey, good game. You know, it was like literally right out of a movie. And I'm very grateful for that experience of that small town feel, dude. Like, you know, I was very grateful to grow up in Prescott. It's a beautiful town. You know, like when you're a kid, you can't wait to get out. And like mm. looking back now, I'm like, damn, that was a great way to grow up. You know, it was pretty cool. I'm very grateful. Yeah. So uh, how many kids were in your graduating class? Uh, I think we had 200, man, 250. It wasn't Dang, a time. Yeah. Strong. You're yeah. small like me. I mean, I can relate to that because uh, it was a big deal when we got our first four-way stop in our town. We had more trailer parks than houses growing up. So I know that's something we got in common, the trailer park kids. What's interesting, dude, that I found is a lot of people that come from a small town, they have a little bit different personal like people skills because mm. like when I was young, I was 16 years old as the head waiter of our local steakhouse, right? Like I'm 16, dude. And like, you're interacting with humans that are, you know, in the in later stages in life. So I think that that speeds up the process of dialogue, I think. And you wonder why a lot of us kids from small towns become very personable and in sales. That mm. could be a strong reason why that you were, you were thrown into to personal interaction at a very early age. And I really enjoyed that, man. I thought that was a really cool thing. Yeah. So what, because the other thing with small towns is you're supposed to, if you're born there, you die there. That's kind of the, that's kind of the unwritten code. I feel like sometimes, do you agree with that? 
yeah, that was actually one of my worst fears when I was 17, uh, senior in high school, you know, as we all did, I was the captain of the football team. I dated the cheerleader and yeah, you, you know, with that beard, I know you dated lots of cheerleaders. I didn't have a beard when I was a kid. dude. Oh like, you man. Beard, You're telling man? me you're breaking my heart. Yeah. I didn't come out. I didn't, I didn't grow up with a beard, but, uh, mm-hmm. I wish man. Um, but you know, that was a fear I think that I had wanting to kind of chase my dreams. And I think people can relate to that. And you look at people that were older than you that had just stayed in that town, you know, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I think it's a, a little home, like hometowns are beautiful. I think the story of marrying your high school sweetheart is a very beautiful thing and raising your kids in that same town. I think that's awesome. That just wasn't my story. Right. And so, you know, I, I, I moved out of our little town two days after high school, mm. after graduation, the car was packed up graduation day. And two days later, we were on the road. Uh, you know, to head off and, and, you know, take on the big city, you know? Yeah. It was that coming down to Phoenix or what? Yeah. I moved down to Phoenix. The plan? I had a football scholarship. So we literally had to start like three days later, we started summer football and weight training mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And so I moved right away and then got at Mesa college and started playing ball. And you know, that's, uh, that's that kid chasing his dreams, going to college type thing. So. Yeah. So we're not talking to you. You didn't retire from the NFL. So eventually the, the dream of that died so that something else could be reborn. Right. Yeah. Uh, so talk to me, talk to me about the transition from, cause I know, I know your business background. So you get to college playing football, maybe at that time, maybe not. You thought maybe I'm good enough to do this at another level. Was that kind of circling your brain there a little bit? Yeah, dude, I actually tried and I felt I did it at a pretty good level. I, you know, I played a couple years of college ball, walked onto like a triple A semi-pro football team mm-hmm. and, and did that in hopes of having like a scout see you and, you mm-hmm. know, you get a chance to go play like NFL Europe or, you know, some D1 school or whatever. And uh, I did, I got an offer to play arena football. And at the nice. time I was like early twenties and I had already started in real estate on the side and was making some money in real estate and had bought my first home. And it's like, do you want to go chase this dream and make, I think they offered me 500 a week or 250 a game. Dang. And I'm like, oh, do you want to go do this and travel the country and play arena football? Or do you want to really kind of go all in on this, on this life of entrepreneurship, man? And I got into entrepreneurship when I was 19 parents. Like I started my first real estate business when I was 19, my first real estate franchise I opened by my 21st birthday. And so you're like left with this decision of, chase this dream. And, you know, I was watching guys get injured and stuff around me. And mm-hmm. let's just be real, man. I'm not six, five, I'm six, one and, and run a five flat 40. I just, but you know, at that time, sexy, like you're still sexy mofo. Thanks bro. But at that time, like Ray Lewis was conquering, you know, the Baltimore yeah. Ravens. And I'm like, yeah. dude, I'm not him in any, in the yeah. slightest. And, you know, God gave me talents in other areas and it was time to start exploring those, if you know what I'm saying. So, so how did you get plugged into real estate? You already kind of gave it away a little bit. So the decision was made football, love you. Cool point in my life. How did you get plugged in at such an early age to the business world and to real estate? Dude, very fortunate. Right out of the Robert Kiyosaki book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm. And so growing up, my, my father, I won't call him my poor dad. My, my dad's amazing. He's just a great human being, but he just, he was a high school dropout. He's street smart, but it was never book smart and didn't really know how to generate a ton of wealth when it comes to that. Mm. It's not his fault in, in the slightest, right? For sure. But my, my best friend's father was our football coach when we were like seventh grade, eighth grade. Um, you know, I was going on road trips with the family and he was a broke ass plumber like mm. broke ass. And that's just, you know, we, everybody got by, I think all the kids always had cleats on their feet. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Where like mom and dad were worked overtime to make sure that they had, you know, the Nikes, we never got the high end hundred dollar Nikes. It was always yeah. clearance Nikes, but like they were always Nikes. And I always had the tools I needed to play sports. And so he, it was interesting. I had this conversation with him, my rich dad, a few months ago, we were sitting at his home in Vegas on the patio having dinner. And I said, I'd love to know, like, how did you transition from a broke plumber into sales? And he said, Nick, I got exposed to high ticket sales. And this changed my, my mindset. And I didn't know it at the time. I know now looking back, you can connect the dots and tell that story. And he said, Nick, I was so sick of my current circumstances. I was so sick of wondering if I was going to make rent or being able to put food on the table. I was so sick of working 12, 15 hour days to provide. Somebody gave me an opportunity to get into high ticket sales. Mm. And he was selling uh, cookware, high-end cookware, like $5,000 like cookware sets. Dang. And he said, Nick, I learned that I could go work a weekend. And you know what I would make in a month or two months, I would make in a day. 
And so he got all into this and into self-development and personal growth. Well, keep in mind, I'm 14, 15 years old at the time, as is my best friend, watching his father go from broke plumber to now he has money. Well, when you have money, what are you going to do? You're going to get a little bit nicer home. And he started Mm -hmm. investing in real estate when we were 15, 16 years old. And so he started buying fix and flip homes. He started buying rental properties and vacation homes. And he took me and my best friend alongside with him. And he would share with us what he was doing, like very publicly. He made us listen to like Zig Ziglar in the car. And like, I'm 16 years old, dude. Like I didn't know anything. And at that time, Robert Kiyosaki had the board game, the cash flow quadrant. And we were kids just thinking we were playing a board game. Well, he was very strategic on what he was doing for our mindset. We didn't know it. I didn't know this until like, like probably 10 years later, looking back going, oh, it was just ingrained in me. And I watched somebody go from, from, you know, 30 grand a year to millionaire inside of 36 months. And for me, it kind of rewired my brain that that was possible. What I learned was high ticket sales, get the money, invest the money into, into something. Right. And so I learned that he became self-employed and I learned that he worked on himself. And, and for me, that was logical. Right. And so when I was in college, I got a job, my father in his infinite wisdom had me get a job at the hospital across from my school and where I played football. Mm. And so I was a, they called it a transporter where you would take people to and from like their appointments, you would push beds around and you were just there kind of helping people get the x-rays and back and forth. So what, I was like dr- driving the van or whatever, no, it- like pushing beds around because uh-huh. I was strong. I was a, I was a football player. Yeah, I was strong yeah, enough to wheel these big ass like ICU beds. So my dad, I wanted to get into the medical field and maybe become a doctor. And so my father's like, Hey, great idea. Go get a job at the hospital and see if you like it. And if you like it, they probably have scholarship programs for you. Hmm. Well, thank God he had me do that because for six months, I realized that that was the scariest thing that I, I didn't want any of it. I hated it. I was terrified of of the hospital and blood. And I remember talking to doctors though, like you'd have like your lunch breaks or whatever. And they, oh kid, what do you want to be in life? And I'm like a doctor. And dude, honestly, so grateful for that experience. Cause I had a lot of doctors tell me, Hey, don't do this. This is horrible. Mm-hmm. And it kind of shaped my mindset. So I was like, okay, well that was the, the eight year plan to go to school. <laughs> now, on the other hand is this entrepreneur who makes his own schedule. He's his own boss. He has vacation homes. He had taken me to Hawaii a few times. And I'm like, well, what do I want? The miserable doctor life. And he just described that he doesn't like that. And he told me, don't do that. Or I could cut the process down. And man, what if I could do this in 36 months like my mentor did? So I dropped out of college um, and went and got my real estate license. Hmm. Crazy. So you were given a gift of somebody else's dad showing you a different path than what you grew up with. Dude, right out of the Rich Dad Poor Dad book. And again, my father is not my my poor dad. That is a bad term. Uh, No, I I get it. But I mean, if we're talking about money and only money, right? And we're measuring money because money can equate to a different lifestyle. Sometimes it's like, well, I don't want to say the word poor. It's like, okay, poor is a mindset. I understand all that. But poor is also if you don't have the money that you need in your bank account to to live what it, the lifestyle that you want. And so from that sense, amazing dad, just not a lot of dinero because he hadn't been taught those principles, right? Well, nothing, nothing wrong with that. I, I yeah. totally can relate to that. My dad was the same way. Hard worker. Uh, that's That's where I realized like, Hard work just isn't enough because I looked at my dad and I was like, man, that guy is the hardest worker. He treats people well, but it ain't enough to just be the hardest worker. You got to have the right information and put the hard work in the right direction. And that's what I think the difference was because I've, I've never met your dad, but I've seen interactions with you. Looks like a salt of the earth human being that just never got the data that you paid attention to from somebody else's dad. For sure. And I think at a very early age, I learned mentorship at the highest level. Mm. Like without even knowing what a mentor is, I've been very blessed in my life to have three incredible mentors coming in my life at the time that I needed them. He was the first. And as I got into real estate, I met my real estate mentor who was selling 300 homes per year. Anthony Robbins has a quote that I absolutely love. He says, find somebody who's already achieved the level of success that you seek, then simply model what they did to get it. And so I believe in modeling. It saves you time. It saves you money. It cuts your learning curve. So fast forward, I get my real estate license. You want to be some high flying realtor, start investing in properties. Well, if you go out on your own with no plan, no strategy, no nothing, I'm not from that town. I fell flat on my face and went broke. It took me eight months to sell my first home. And so you just- You were how how old at this point? 19 years old, dude. Yeah, that's tough because you're talking to an adult and trying to gain their trust as a baby. 
Just Dude. say, hey, you have this, the biggest asset you've ever owned your entire life. Trust me, right? Trust I got kid. you. I, I look like a little yet. kid. Dude, so funny. True story. I grew a goatee and started wearing suits to try to look older. It would just look <laughs> like big baggy suits because all I could afford was one suit. It was a green suit. This is so funny, dude. My granny, my granny gave me $150 to go buy my first suit, but she said, mm. you're going to buy the color that I tell you to buy. Keep in mind, dude, like my granny is like the sweetest, amazing person ever. But in her mind, it was a green suit, a red tie and brown shoes. You know me. I wear black and white. Yes. So I bought this green suit with my granny's investment into my career, this chunky baggy green suit and people watching can relate. I wore that suit every single day. True story. I would wear it. Then the next morning I would put it in the dryer to tumble it. So it looked less wrinkled. And then by like Thursday, dude, it was the dirtiest thing ever. And so I'm a kid trying to tell people that I've never bought a home before. I've never sold a home before. Like, so I don't have real world experience. So what do you do? I fell flat on my face. And so many people start out in business by themselves. They start a fitness routine thinking they're going to watch YouTube videos and learn this DIY thing on your own. Or you can spend months, six months, 12 yeah. months, two years trying to figure things out on your own. Or you can invest in coaching, invest in a mentor and cut the learning curve. So dude, eight months on my own, not a single sale. I joined my mentor. He had a proven track record, a proven system. He was selling 300 homes per year. Go model somebody that walks their talk. I think there's a big misconception that people go try to follow somebody just based on like their theories. Dude, find somebody who's actively doing it. So yeah. like, for example, if you want to get fit, go find a shredded personal trainer. Like our personal trainer, you and I share the same personal trainer, Nate Palmer. He's jacked. Homie's got like less than 10% body fat. You can tell that he clearly takes his advice in nutrition and fitness workouts to heart. For he sure. walks his talk, right? There's nothing worse than like kind of a, an out of shape personal trainer giving advice. And I think in our world of the business world, so many people are like that. True story. I get a DM this morning from a kid. Hey, I'm going to teach you how to scale your business to six figures per month. Great. Yeah. Fantastic. Have you done it? Well, well, no, I help clients do it. So if you don't know the path to get yourself to six figures per month, don't sell me on that. Right. Dude, and so I get those DMs all the time. And it's a cute, flashy title, but if you're not doing yeah. it you're, yourself, right? And so I went and modeled a mentor who was selling 300 homes per year. How did you get his attention? How did you get his attention? Because I think, uh, so it, it's cool, like, and you found the right mentor, but you, it's not like you had a, some track record you could lay before him that said, hey, here's all the reasons why I'm going to be successful. Because you had you hadn't had any massive success in your life. Like at all, you had cracked guys in the back, tackling them in football. Like that was, that was your road up to that point. So talk to somebody that, that maybe isn't where you are. They're Nikki T at 19. How do you get the attention of a guy like that? Cause 300 homes, he's moving, he's shaking, he's make, making some cash. You know, his identity is high. He's not messing around. So how do you get his attention at 19? Here's a big misconception that I hear from people. How do I find my mentor? You have to go work for them and you have to add value to them. Mm. They're busy. Like as much as you want to think that they're going to go, the, the term, can I pick your brain is yeah, the most insulting term on the yeah. planet. He doesn't have time for lunch. And if he did have time for lunch, he wants to spend it either on a business meeting with his wife or maybe have an hour off. But like in our world, we think that because they're successful, they're just going to reach down and show you the pathway. Now, don't get me wrong. A lot of them are amazing, but you have to find ways to add value to somebody. Mm -hmm. Meaning what we did was I went, a taker. Work, I went and worked for him almost as an apprentice. And so he got, when I went and worked for him, he got two thirds of the deals that I was working, meaning not me two thirds. I got one 33% of the transaction I got. He got two thirds. Oh, but isn't that a bad deal? It's a bad deal. If you, you know, you could be making more money on your own, that, right? I would have rather had one third of an actual big pie or pizza than a hundred percent of nothing. And so check this out. I go join him. He had leads. He had a system. He had scripts. He had training. I sold two houses in my first two weeks with him on my sixth day with him using his systems, his scripts. I sold a home on my sixth day, eight months, nothing six days in with him with right training. And like, to me, this goes down Incredible. to the power of investing in mentorship, mm -hmm. investing in coaching, investing in a proven model. Well, well oh, that's going to cost too much money. 
Well, what's the other side? You could spend a hundred grand trying to figure this out on your own, or you can model that and in six days be up and running. Dude, fast forward a year. I own my own real estate brokerage within a year and a half of joining his company mm. because he showed me a proven pathway. You got some my, shortcuts. Right. It's so funny. So, so fast forward a couple of years, I went and started my own brokerage uh, when I was 23 years old. I went and started my own real estate brokerage mm. within 12 months. By the time I was 24 years old, I had my first seven figure business. I went out. So literally within years, he's selling a few hundred homes per year. My first year being independent with my brokerage, I sold 195 homes and we did 1.5 million. Okay. Mm. Now, was that me or was that four years prior training as an intern, the blood, sweat and tears? And I, I give him credit to that. We're still friends. He actually just came and saw me in San Diego. I wouldn't be the man that I am without that internship. And yes, I, I could have been short-sighted and said, well, you're taking part of the commission. No, I was paying for a college education. I was investing in my future, right? And you wonder why I was able to go from zero to 200 deals like overnight. Dude, it was really just modeling a lot of the systems that I had learned from him and the coaching that I learned from him as a mentor. Dude, that's awesome. So I want to back, you said, go back just a second. You said, uh, uh, that was like your college tuition. And I think that's interesting because you have a lot of people that aren't where they want to be that are willing to invest a hundred grand, 200 grand, 300 grand uh, on their education uh, to get an education for people that actually have no experience in what it is they're supposed to be teaching them. But it's so weird when you go, when you go out into the business world, like this idea of paying for mentorship is like it, it's a it's like a lost art, you know. Is the only way I can describe it, you know. All the time, people are like, and our our uh, common friend uh, Jason, he just picked up a, you know, his uh, consulting client, right? And this guy had been picking his brain, picking his brain, picking his brain, and then it's some uh, counsel from you. You're like, dude, you need to start charging him because what you pay for, you appreciate, you know, and. Uh, and it, it and it's completely changed his perception on his entire business. And I think I think it's it's so valuable that people understand what you just said. It's like you were getting one third, one third, but you also for two thirds of the commission, you got uh, the knowledge and experience from somebody running doing three hundred deals a year that you would never have access to. Yeah, how long would it take you to to figure that out on your own? Some right. people will never figure it out. Some people are so egotistical. They think, well, he figured it out. I'll eventually figure it out. Okay, cool. I, I can get on board with that. Do you want to do it in five years or 18 months? I, I love that. And you, you, the, the time that you save is now opportunity cost to build your business in the future. Mm. And I know the space that we're in, you know, you, you have some high ticket coaches and gurus. Well, they're not just going to peddle their advice to you for free. It's got to be worth their time. If not, what's the buy-in for them to even give you the roadmap, right? Like when I take somebody on as a student, I take them on as a student to help them produce results because they're mm -hmm. investing in the coaching program and you get out of this world what you pay for. And if it matters to you, you'll invest in it. But like you mentioned, we'll spend 30 grand a year, 40 grand a year, 50 grand a year. We'll go into debt of 200K, 250K and not bad enough, right? Mm -hmm. But if you have a thousand dollar investment to learn a paid traffic strategy or go to this seminar or invest in your health and fitness. That's the one, that one gets me. So like our, our mutual friend, our trainer, Nate is a personal trainer. He's changed my life. I've lost 50 pounds in his program. I mean, I've shredded like 50% body fat. The dude has changed my trajectory in my health and my fitness and his program's like 90 bucks a month. And people are like, Oh no, I'm not going to spend that. But you spent that on Hulu, Netflix and, and, and the Facts. Paramount channel, right? You spent that alignment. at the bar last night. Like, What's expensive? Like investing in your health, I think should probably be the, the biggest foundation. I know you and I both are big on supplements and nutrition and, and all the above. And it's like, it, how would you not want to invest in stuff like this? So it's, you can go try to DIY stuff and Ikea it. And what happens with Ikea furniture? You put yeah. it together, you usually break it the first time or it's yeah. broken within months. So like, or, I you, believe or you put it guy. together and you're missing like a screw. You got a bag of screws at the end that never right. went away. It's all quality. And, and yeah. I really believe my friend, you, you know, you're the average of the five people you spend time with. And I think that's true in the information you're consuming, the podcast you're listening to like this one, you know, I always look for, has this guy or gal walk their talk? 
That's my thing. Whatever I'm looking at anything is you can cut through the BS real quick. If they're sharing their own success stories, their own struggles, that's somebody that I want to learn from. I don't want to learn from somebody that just read a book and is now regurgitating the information. Well, then just go to the real author, right? Yeah. And they never spent any of their own money. In the own trenches. Like to me, the lesson is learned in the trenches. Like my favorite thing is like a Facebook ads guy. And they'll, they'll DM you. They will cold call DM you to get business for themselves to sell you on running ads. So this kid DMs me on Instagram. And he's like, Hey man, I got this great paid ad strategy. Do you want to try it? My exact response was, well, then why are you cold DMing me? Because if your paid ad strategy works so well, your webinar works so well, you should actually be selling that for yourself. I should have found you that way, not the polar opposite. Right? So Facts. it's the, it's the do as I say, not as I do type thing. And I'm like, the thing too that scary makes, to invest my own money. I want to invest yours and pay yeah, that. Dude, the thing that makes you unique and me unique is I will never ask anybody in my coaching program to do something I haven't done myself and proven or I'm not willing to do side by side in the trenches with them. That's mm. what makes me a good coach. That's what makes you a good coach. There's something real with a guy or gal that has busted their ass. And like when you're in the trenches, you can figure out the pitfalls. You can figure out where you're going to get stuck because you've already gotten stuck yourself was crazy. I shared this video with our guys. You're in my coaching program. And I was at the gym one day and I was working out two times per day. And just with entrepreneurship and, and launching a new course, I was beat up and I was tired. And every part of me did not want to go to the gym that day. And it's funny. We see the highlight reels on Instagram stories or some pretty TikTok, and everybody looks great. Like you put on makeup and I just showed up to the gym. I rolled out of bed. I had a great morning routine. I meditated <laughs> for nine hours. I read three books. And then I just walk into the gym as like birds fly out and, you know, like deers are coming in with me. They think that that's the reality. And I pulled out the phone one day and I had shared this with you. I'm like 15 minutes into the workout. I'm, so- I'm tired. I'm sore. I just want rest. And I was like, I'm going to leave the gym right now. I was literally like, I'm done. I am done. And I pulled out the phone and I was like, what a cool experience for me to share with our, our coaching students. And I pulled out the phone and I said, guys, like I run into brick walls too. I get tired. We're all human. We have good days. We have bad days. Right. And I said, and I'm here right now. I'm fatigued. The caffeine is just not working. The playlist is not hitting. And every part of me wants to grab my ball and go home. And it was interesting. I shared that video with our, our team. And our coaching students literally got, I got more response out of that than anything I've done in a minute. Cause they were like, thank you. Thank you for cutting through the bullshit and just telling me you're a human being. Like yeah. for me, I follow, I guess you call them gurus, but I follow people that, that I can relate to because I know that they've been through that struggle. So for me, when somebody's sharing stuff on a podcast or on a video, I love hearing the story of like, Hey, we tried this and it blew up in my face. I think yeah. it takes somebody with a sick amount of confidence to say, Hey, I tried that and I messed it up. I tried that and I failed because that's where you learn from. And for me, I love learning from guys that have been in the trenches before. Love that. So that's a great segue. So let's talk about uh, the the triumphant author, okay? And Because it really ties your old world and you brought something that you had done and done very well. And actually your ex-partner still uses it to this day to generate traffic and things for him. So talk to, talk to us about uh, one... The book you wrote, I know, in real estate, what that did for your business, why you're passionate about uh, entrepreneurs getting attention, you know, leveraging authority and things and, and using the book to do that. Actually, my man, I got a copy for you here. Um, so as I was running my real estate business, I had opened up a brokerage, an independent brokerage, and I was the CEO of this company and I was still selling homes. And just like any entrepreneur or expert that's listening to your, to your podcast right now, you're, th- we have this huge dilemma, Terrence, and you face it, I face it. It's getting attention in the marketplace. That is hands down the number one dilemma that any impact driven entrepreneur faces. So what do you do? You try YouTubing, you try to go viral on TikTok, you try Instagram, you try podcasting, you try Facebooking, right? You're trying networking, you're trying to slide into other people's DMs, you go to people's Facebook groups and build a relationship, you try all of the right things, you're hashtagging, and I call it the entrepreneur's black hole, where you're trying all of these things, and the more motivated you are, you just keep spinning and spinning and spinning like in this nothingness, dude. And so what I wanted to do for my own business was cut through the clutter. And so, Terrence, as I just shared with you, I'm a community college dropout. I lasted three fine semesters. That was all I could do, right? I don't come from money. I don't have a a Harvard MBA. So for me, I went to my first Tony Robbins seminar when I was 19 years old. That changed my life. 
I learned everything that I have in this life through books, audio tapes, auto, auto you and seminars, literally everything. And so I was sitting there what one do you, night. What going, do you mean auto you? Uh, Automobile University, my man. Automobile University. You just no, I think that I I don't I don't want to gloss over that because yeah. I think that's a lot. That's a that's a total life hack. You know, business hack is taking dead time in your vehicle and listening to stuff. And I think it's interesting. That's one of the things you just said. I knew what it was. I just yeah. I don't want to assume everybody else does. Yeah, that 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 time, man. And so I've learned so much from books and audio tapes. And it was interesting. I was reading a book one day and I'm reading this book, getting results and mad insights from this author. Mm. And I was like, wow, this guy is truly an expert on the field. And if you hold a book and you look at it for somebody to translate a hundred plus word uh, pages, right? 25,000 words. That means that they have to know their stuff inside and out. No offense. Anybody with an iPhone can pull out and record a 60 second TikTok. You yeah. can dance to some trend and throw some, some hot viral music behind it. It takes a true expert to actually have a system and advice and a track record to write a 25,000 word book. And so for me, I was selling 200 homes per year in the real estate space. And I looked at everything, dude, we were doing online stuff. And I was like, well, how could I truly cut through the clutter? Well, a book. And I had this big misconception though, that I was like, okay, well, like I'll write a book and then like, I'll sell it online. And I was like, no, that, that doesn't really jive because like, why would somebody buy my book? So I came up with this crazy strategy, dude. I wrote my book about my method, my home selling system at the time. And so what we started doing, which was contrary to, to belief, I started giving these out for free as business cards. My, mm. advi- my, my, my theory was if I gave my advice out for free up front, somebody would read my book and go, well, that realtor knows more than the other realtor. See, for my business, and we all have this, we all have competition. We think that we don't. In my business of Phoenix, Arizona, at the time when I lived there, there was over 50,000 50K realtors. Same. Everybody in the, the, like, if you threw a rock, you were going to knock somebody in the head. That's Your mother in law's a realtor, right? Everybody's brother, uh, lawyer, everybody holds a real estate license. It was insane. And so, what was happening was my biggest competition was like cousin Ned, who just got his license yesterday and was playing yeah. realtor. That was my biggest competition. So, I wanted to come up with a marketing superpower that would allow me from the get to cut through the clutter and show that I was different. See, I was different. And so many people listening, they truly are different, but it's hard to come out online and just pump your chest like Donkey Kong and be like, I'm so great. It's very awkward to do that. Right. And so I was like, well, well, what would be the ultimate proof? Writing a book becomes the ultimate mic drop. So check this out, man. Less than 1% of the population will ever write a book. Less than 1%. Even of the people that start writing a book and think about how many people listening and you're going to have so many people laughing right now. And I'm talking to you where like you've pulled up a chapter and you've started your quote unquote book. I just talked to a guy yesterday. He's like, dude, I've been working on my book for three years. I'm like, yeah, I know. Trust me. So 97% of the people that actually start a book, like pull out a word document, 97% will never follow through. Hmm. So what I figured out was if less than 1% would ever write a book and why? Because you have to take the time to follow through. You have to truly know your stuff. Malcolm Gladwell says it's the 10,000 hours to become an expert. And I truly believe in that. And so you, it kind of weeds out the riffraff kid that just grabbed the cell phone and started sharing how-to videos. I'm yeah. like, well, no, you, to write a book, you actually have this, the, you have to have the stick to You have to truly have the expertise and you have to have the patience. And what I found too, though, is a level of care for your clientele. Because mm. if you care that much about your user, your customer, your client, the people you serve, and you're truly on a mission, it truly shows that. So we wrote the book, dude, honestly, I wrote it in less than 30 days and we started handing these out. And this book overnight doubled my conversion rate. It literally doubled my conversion overnight because if you look at my space as a realtor, who would you hire? Susie, who just got her license yesterday, or this guy right here who is a published expert and the authority on his 10-step home selling system. So our conversions doubled. And this became my first million-dollar sales funnel, man. And I was very, very proud of it um, as a marketing tool. So over the years... How did you get it into people's hands? We started ma- hand mailing it and hand delivering it. So ahead, because, ahead of time, like if you had a listing appointment, you would send it to them ahead of time, right? 
Yeah. So we got real crazy about it. So because I was a local business and now we do this online where we mail it to doorsteps, but at the time I was a local service-based business. Right. And so we had a courier service and it cost me $19 and 99 cents to hand deliver with an hour. So imagine getting off the phone call with me. So we were running ads, you know, on Facebook, I had, uh, I was on the back page of the newspaper. We were doing some radio stuff, but like, even at that, even this front end marketing isn't enough, right? You have to, once you even get the inquiry, you have to do more. So those listening, even if you're running Facebook ads or YouTube ads, you have to do more than just the initial, the ad more than initial video. So somebody would call and inquire and we would get their property address, not to be creepy, but you know, we needed to know what their home address was to yeah. be able to, you know, give them a quote on their home of what it was worth. So that was very logical there. Yeah. And so within two hours, if you get it off the phone with me, uh, we would have a box delivered with my book in it and a hand signed copy of my book. Like incredible. knock, knock who's here. And literally within like three hours, I get a text. Did you just give me a box with your book in it? Yeah. And so people started noticing that we cared and people don't care about how much, you know, and how good you are until they know yes. how much you care. Yes. And so for me, it was, it started really changing my mindset on this, this one-on-one relationship based marketing. And that birthed my starfish marketing method, Terrence. Maybe you've heard the old parable. There's a young boy walking the beach and the tide had washed up all the starfish. And he's out there grabbing a starfish and throwing them back into the ocean one at a time, saving their lives. And this old man walks up to him and he goes, little boy, there's miles of beach here and there's thousands and thousands of starfish. You're not going to save them all. And the little boy grabs a starfish and he looks at it and he goes, I know, but I saved that one. Mm, And I love love that. that. I think in in our world of, you know, going viral and online marketing and Instagrams and YouTubes and all, all these success stories, we think in terms of millions. I think in terms of one mm. because I'm in high ticket sales as are you. And so for those in high ticket sales, you need to build a great relationship with one person. You don't need to talk to the masses. You need to help one. And so we developed this, this relationship with our clientele. And what I found Terrence was when they, they felt that level of care, now they wanted to know how much I actually knew. You know, what was interesting mm. is I call it my rough method, rough method results up front. And what happened is people would start opening the book and reading real genuine information and real strategies and real success stories. And then, so we would show up to their home and I'll never forget it, dude. I'm sitting at this, this family's kitchen table and I, I go into my 10 step presentation and I'll never forget it. The sweet little lady, her husband starts to ask me a question and she's like, Oh no, 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 Earl, Nick, I got it. I read that. That was chapter three. Right. And I was like, <laughs> no, uh, yeah. And so do you think we're going to get that, that, that sale? Yeah. But what she found was I cared. I cared enough about her, her awesome. family, her emotions. And when I wrote my first book, I put myself in the role of, at that time, a home seller who was afraid. And and anybody listening, think about your favorite client. Think about the problems that they have, the emotions that they're going through, the anxiety that they're facing. Like we get so caught up in sales and traffic and funnels, which you and I do. And I love that. But think about the user on the other end. You know, for example, we use Nate our buddy who's a personal trainer, think about the emotions that I know very well. And I know you do too. Think about the emotions of somebody that is out of shape and overweight. Think about the real raw emotions of going to the pool and feeling embarrassed to take your shirt off in front of pretty girls or your family. I've been there, bro. I've been there. And that sucks. And I remember like getting anxiety before like a beach day or a pool day. And, 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 and Nate, our personal trainer, I think a lot about this analogy because those are real emotions. That's real lack of energy. That's real lack of confidence. And so, you know, I advised him it, when you can truly talk to that person and truly help them up front, you're going to start to touch a heart and you're going to save one starfish at a time. And so I just, I fell in love with the triumphant author strategy, my man. And so um, over the years, people would approach me, Terrence and go, well, well, Hey, how did you, how did you grow your business? And, I, and my, my exact response always was, dude, you should write a book. And I just started sharing with people like to write a book. That. And people started writing a book. So real cool. Nate, the personal trainer, I actually have his case study right here. Nate, Nate literally asked me, I was working out at a gym again, trying to get in shape. And Nate was like, Hey man, how do I grow my business? And I was like, dude, just write a book. And so he wrote a book. And since Nate wrote his book, he's been able to land 241 clients and he's made over $570,000 off of his book because of that one piece of advice. What's more interesting is because now he's the true expert on the subject. He's been, he's been invited on 140 other people's podcasts, which is now viewed by tens of thousands of people. 
And he's booked 16 paid speaking gigs, all because he is an expert on the subject. And in his space, think about how many fake ass gurus woke up this morning, made a smoothie, and now they're an expert on this miracle morning smoothie, right? And so Nate, by writing a book, cuts through the clutter that he actually knows his stuff and he has a strategy here. And so guys over the years were asking me, how do you write a book? How do you write a book? And then finally last year, I was like, well, if y'all keep asking me and I love this and I believe in it and I walk my talk and I made $3.5 million off of this book funnel, I should really start figuring out how to help experts write a book. And the Triumphant Author Program was born, my man. And that's what I'm doing these days. That's awesome. So talk about some of the, uh, you have any of the books from some of your authors? I know I've seen them around. Yeah, dude, like awesome. I met, uh, I met Crystal who was uh, in your program. Seems like she got through her book because I think one of the biggest misconceptions is, uh, you know, oh, I got to, it's going to take me half my life. I got to sit down and give up half my life and a full kidney to write a book. Like those are the requirements. And it seems like your authors get through that process pretty, I think, quickly. You know, it's not like it's done in three days or anything, but to have a full fledged, very professional looking, well documented uh, book that, moves through their process, you seem to have that process pretty dialed in. So talk to us about that. Yeah, it's not perfect, but I like to think that we're, we're we're shooting for perfection. And so Crystal came to me as a real estate agent, sweet, loving Crystal, wanted to grow her business. It took us 90 days from start to finish to get yeah. her published. I'm going to check this out. This is a really cool story. When Crystal approached me to write this book, she had a bunch of people in the real estate space tell her not to. And again, old school, archaic belief, just cold call and just grind out open houses. And so that became our joke. And I was like, are you sure you want to write a book? You can just cold call the rest of your life. So she wrote her book and she, within her very first announcement of of that she was going to write a book, she sold a home off of her very first announcement. She made 12 grand on her seventh day with me. Check this out. Guy was out looking at homes with another real estate agent. Crystal goes live on Facebook, announces that she's writing a book. He looks at his crappy realtor. Then online is this very beautiful, well put together, polished realtor that says, I'm writing a book. I'm an expert. And he literally fired his realtor and bought a home with Crystal. So fast forward six, six months. She tripled her business within six months off of this book. So now we have a joke. Every time I call her, I'm like, hey, I can cancel your book production. Are you sure you don't want to go back to cold calling and open houses? So it snowed in her town. And I was like, hey, it's snowing out. Are you sure you don't want to put on like your, your snow boots yeah. and like go to go do an open house? You know, I just shared with you Nate's story and, and it's become so beautiful, man. So like for me, it started Terrence as this way of helping people share their message with other people and make more sales. And that is all part of what we do. But what I'm finding now, it's, it's about making an impact. Somebody out there needs your help. And what I'm finding is we just published two more authors last week. Eagle, he wrote a book on financial services. He called me up and he said, Nick, this changed my life. He go, He had just made a sale off of it. So he published his book, made a sale off of my triumphant author strategy, paid for the whole book within one week of getting published. Amazing. Powerful. So now it's just all upside. But he called me and he said, Nick, it wasn't even about the sale. It's about what I went through to publish this book. So what we had Eagle do is he dedicated the book to his father. Hmm. So Eagle, the thing that's really beautiful about my friend Eagle, Eagle was put in the foster care system and Eagle yep. was adopted by a man. Eagle, because he now had so much care for what he did for a living, he wrote his book and we dedicated that. He dedicated that to his father. Amazing. And so like for me, my grandmother was like my, my biggest supporter. And so in my book, one of the, she, she had passed by the time I wrote it, but I felt I wrote this to her. When I wrote my book, I dedicated it to my grandmother and it was the most beautiful thing ever. And it said, this book is dedicated to my grandmother, Bonnie Jean Grimmett. Thank you for being my biggest supporter and fan. I love and miss you every day but I still know when I need you, I can just call 1-800-GRANDMA. And that was a plaque I had bought her for you know Christmas or whatever. And so for me, yes, we landed 350 high ticket sales and did a you know, 3 million or whatever. That meant, you could take away the track record on this. That, that I wrote this to her meant more to me than anything. So what I'm finding now, like it started as this vehicle to help people grow their businesses, which it is. That's the, 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 the belief and the foundation. But what I'm finding, Terrence, is our authors, it's the transformation they have as human mm. beings going through the process. Amazing. Because if you look at of the people that start a book, 97% never, fought, never finish it. And now you've become an elite 1%. That, that's rare air there where the art of staying disciplined and following through every day is this transformation. You know, so you how, and do I you, did, how do you get them to not just quit? in the process. That sounds like a, you'd think like, oh, well, they're running a business. You can't be a quitter, please. People quit 
we quit on stuff all the time, right? So how do you get them to follow through for 90 days? Because they got a lot of other yeah. stuff going on. They still got a business to run, employees, all that stuff. Uh, how do you get them to follow through? What does your structure allow somebody to do to actually finish what they start? Uh, for me, it's very simple. Um, a lot of what you're going through. So, so you have, you're on 75 hard right now, right? And you mm-hmm. have, my guess is three days left to finish, four days two, left to finish. Two days. Tomorrow's believe, today and tomorrow. So you got, you have 48 hours. Uh, what I believe Terrence, and, and this would be like a, a dial it in for anybody listening right now, turn it up. Or like, if you're on the treadmill, like kind of dial into what I'm ready to tell you, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Mm. And I think so often, Terrence, we try to take on a thousand different things. Bruce Lee said it best. I don't fear the man that knows 10,000 kicks. I fear the man that's done one kick 10,000 times. What we have to do is break things down to the simple. Yes, there's like 575 moving parts of a book. But if in the next 24 hours, you had to do one thing. So for example, back to you and your 75 heart. In the next 24 hours, all you have to do is work out two times. Yep. Break it down to the simple. It's not 150 workouts. It's I have two. Mm-hmm. I need to read 10 pages. When you live, I, I teach people to live in 24-hour windows. Yes. Meaning if in the next 24 hours, all I had to do to be a millionaire or be in the shape of my life or be a great father, a great husband, whatever, okay, is tomorrow I have to tell my wife I love her. Tomorrow, I have to get up by 6.30 a.m. Tomorrow, I have to walk for 30 minutes. Tomorrow, I just have to avoid McDonald's. When you break things down to simple and 24-hour blocks, you can make progress that way. But what we try to do is take on five years worth of stuff today because that's what it looks like we should be doing on the gram or on TikTok. It's not Mm -hmm. how things work. You get shredded one baby meal at a time right? One 30 minute walk or workout at a time, right? One sales call at a time, one follow-up email at a time. And so my brain for some reason just thinks, yes, you have the 30,000 foot view, but breaking things down to the simple bite-sized chunks. So what that's what a great coach does, right? A great coach takes something complicated and simplifies it and then structures a path where it can actually be done. That's exactly it, right? Like I think you and I, you 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 achieve things by breaking them down to bite-sized action items, right? I don't believe in goals. I don't believe in big 12-month and 24-month goals. I believe in 24-hour and seven-day targets. Meaning we don't get what we want. We don't get what we we visualize and manifest into our lives. Yes, yeah. that's that's the map. That's the big 30,000 foot view. We get what we're committed to and our commitment is proven in our daily habits, rituals, and routines. Yes. And if you do that Amen. for 24 hours a day, like you don't go, 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 lose 50 pounds. No. You go work out one time per day. You don't have pizza or nachos. You avoid McDonald's and you just have three or four healthy meals and some snacks in between. That's all you have to do. And if you stack that over and over and over again, over 90 days time, over six months time, over 12 months time, that adds up. You send a drip email per day, right? Mm -hmm. You send, you make a sales call per day that adds up, but we don't want to talk about that because that's not flashy. How I went from zero to six figures in in seven minutes, right? Like that's the pretty story, (laughs) but people don't want to talk about the actual slow and steady grind that I really believe in parents more than anything in this world. I've tried flash in the pan diets and training programs. I've tried to binge 24 hours of work and work through the night and slam 19 energy drinks. And it's all, it it, it can only be sustained for a very short amount of time. So I believe in creating a lifestyle around your health and fitness, around your business and the things that I wouldn't mind doing 12, 24, 36 months around. I'm not saying you don't get out of whack. We all do, right? Where it's like all hands on deck. I'm all about that, right? Mm -hmm. But oftentimes if you do the right thing over time, six months from now, you'll look back and love what you did. It's crazy how fast things can add up. So back to the book. And I just think that that lesson is, is it it relates to fitness, to health, to anything, right. To building wealth. Um, and sure the book, but the book is just another achievement, right? So you could call it, how do you launch an online course? How do you start a podcast, right? How do you, you know, how do you acquire more real estate? How you, you could insert anything right there. Habits don't change. Like success leaves clues, right? Yeah. And the habits of successful don't change. And as much as I want to say, it's pulling out some cute little angled TikTok video and putting a trending song, that's really not it. Cause that's not sustainable, right? What's sustainable is having a healthy breakfast and doing that again and again and again and again over the next 
six months, right? Mm-hmm. What's sustainable is building a routine of going to the gym. What's sustainable is building a routine of writing. So what we believe in is you have your biggest rock of the day, right? And for some, it might be working on a funnel. It could be, you know, working on some marketing, recording content. If you schedule it in and you get it done right away, it's done for the day. Right. Yeah. And so that's how we take this. How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? That's how we have uh, authors write books. Now it's about 60 days or less, but I will tell you this. There's been one guy in my program that failed like a mofo. And it was mm-hmm. my fault because he wasn't committed to the book on the front end. So what I found is this, no matter who you are, you have to find a goal that you are 1000% committed to, and you're willing to burn your ships on. Because if not, when things get hard and it gets yeah. tough, Amen. You don't become an elite 1% of the world that writes a book without doing something different, right? If you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. And it's so true. So this guy came to me, he just wanted coaching. And I was like, well, I don't just coach people. We help them write books. And then we build a sales funnel and there's a lot of moving parts and da, 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 da. And so, uh, he just, he started, made his first payment. And then I never heard from him again. And why did I know he wasn't committed to the book and that's okay. I am mad at it, but like, you don't expect to become a millionaire without developing new habits. You can't get a six pack by eating the same sloppy thing you've always eaten. And it was so interesting to your question of like, how do these people write the books? We weed out a lot of people. I say no to a lot of people. I only attract in people that are a in high ticket sales and B are on absolute fire for their goals and dreams. Like Mm -hmm. I can tell within 30 minutes of talking to somebody, if they're jacked up and on fire or not. Right. And if they're a good fit for me or not, I need somebody that wants to more, be more, have more, and is on fire for their business, but more importantly, has a passion to serve their clients and communities. And that for me is a very big thing. I'm not in this just to make money, Terrence. I believe in the Zig Zig Ziglar quote we get everything, excuse me, we get everything we want in life by helping other people get what they want. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe in that. So by me sharing my insight and my gift of packaging up this book and helping an expert share their message with the world, we can then impact millions of people together. And so for me, we have an application process on the front end to weed out to the right people that are coming into the program, uh, that are absolutely on fire, that want to love on their clients and community and truly have huge hearts to serve. And you've met a lot of our students and you would say that they're all the same. For sure. I mean, you, there are, there are certain common qualities that people that just get shit done possess. I mean, you, you just, you can look at anybody, you can look, you know, male, female, that born in different states, born under different circumstances. There, there are for sure some common qualities. And I, I would say common qualities of your clients, you know, that I've met at some of your mastermind events that, you know, they're all, they all, yeah, they want to make money. Sure. They want to attract clients because if you believe in what it is that you do and that you actually help people, you can't actually help them in business unless there's, there's an exchange, right? I've got to first put something out. And then what you give me in return is money for what I put out that helps you. And, uh, and so I always, you know, a lot of business people, they don't want to, they don't want to talk about money. Like, oh, for some, for some reason, they think it makes them a bad person or a bad business person. I said, no, it's actually a measurement. If you're really at your core, if you want to help people the way that you say you do, a great measuring stick for that is money. Unless you do something shitty or sleazy and you don't have integrity, then that's, that's a bad, bad measuring stick. But you ain't worried about your integrity, you know, if, if that's the case. But for most entrepreneurs, and I would say the people that work with you, like a measuring stick is like the book book will change them, but it also, you've got to get it in the hands of somebody else so it can have the the chance to change them. And then you have the ability to exchange with them and and you give them something up front. And then what they give you that you can measure if you help them is, is money. It's that money. Can they go get more of it? Right. And, uh, I think, you know, I, I love that you're kind of cutting through the noise because writing a book is not some new idea you created. People have been writing books for a long time. Yeah. Stephen King, man, he's been cutting there, it up. On there's this famous book. Maybe time. you've heard of it. There's a lot of stories in it. Um, it's been around for a long time. It's called the Bible. Bible. Yeah. <laughs> and like books, like, it's funny. Somebody was like, dude, like, aren't you worried? Like with everything all going tech and the metaverse and like NFTs and stuff. And I'm like, do you have a Bible in your home? There's every hotel in the world has a Bible. Do you still have vinyl records? Yeah. yeah. If you do what everybody else is doing, Terrence, you're going to get the same results. I believe, <laughs> call me nutty. I still am a guy that buys a lot of books and I do not buy Kindle and I don't read eBooks. I want to physically tangibly hold a book and I want to scribble it up and I want to highlight it and I want to snap photos of it. And that for me is a real thing. 
And millions and millions and millions and millions of other people believe in that same concept. And there's this thing that still exists called the mailbox. It's crazy. Yeah, and which I think, and we, I know we share this similar beliefs on this. That's like a new cheat code because people are gone so digital that they've forgotten what the mailbox is. You know, it's yeah, so which true. is it, like, I think that's, that's a new alternative that the business world in general has forgotten about because they, they've gone online. I built my very first million dollar sales funnel before I even had a Facebook account. Yeah, Let that awesome. sink in. I didn't even, we didn't even have Facebook at the time. It does date myself a little bit. I mean, I've been an entrepreneur for 17 years, but all TikTok is or Instagram is or YouTube is, or it's just a way of reaching more people. Yeah. Which one is the best? Like you ready for this? Like what is the best marketing avenue today? Is it TikTok or Instagram or Meta or whatever? Is it podcasting? What is it? Drum roll, please. The one you're actually focused on. Yeah. The one I mean, that you do consistently. The one, the one you, you can do. show up. Guys crush with email marketing. Guys yeah. crush with direct mail. Guys crush on TikTok. Guys crush on YouTube. Guys crush with billboards, with radio, with TV. Insert a thing that Shoot, you focus man, I'm, on. I'm going to speak in an event and these guys knock doors. That's their mark. And they make millions of dollars a year knocking doors. Right. So who's right? The one guy that focuses on it, is passionate about it, takes the time to learn it inside and out. For me, that's more powerful than anything. We call it developing your superpower. I believe finding one thing and making it your superpower, you know, and going all in on that and giving it a college try to make it work. Yeah, it's awesome. So, man, I appreciate this. You, I hope people will just like pay attention. The, the, the great thing about a podcast is it's so easy to get information out. I think the downfall of a podcast is it's free. Yeah. And so people, they gloss over information because it's free. So my hope is that somebody, I know somebody out there is going to grab something and they'll go use it, which is super important. So how can, how can people find you? I know this is going to, it's going to shake. You've rattled somebody's cage. That's who you are, man. You're freaking, you're a cage rattler. So how can people find you? Dude, my favorite way to communicate. I'm a real dude. Go to Instagram. It's at the triumphant life. Go shoot me a DM on Instagram and say, hey, I, I listen to your podcast with Terrence, but when you do, I want you to shoot me one thing that you learned from this episode that you are going to take action on. Here's the thing. I listen to podcasts when I'm driving on the treadmill, all the above. But if you just listen to the past 45 minutes and whether you want to write a book or not, Terrence and I just shared with you some real world action steps that you could take and apply to your life. I'd love to hear what you learn and how you're going to implement implement that into your life. Like, dude, when you invited me on, I wanted to be with you, wanted to say hello, but I wanted to add value to one person out there. And it's so cool. Whenever I, I give a speech or whenever I give a podcast, and if that's you listening right now and I rattled your cage and you're like, holy crap, I have something special for you. If that's you, go DM me on Instagram. Let me know what you learned. I'm going to give you my 30-day challenge system for free. I will teach you how to start a 30-day challenge. If you have the balls to listen to this and take action, you're somebody that I love and want to be with and want to add massive amount of value to. So go DM me what you learned, what you're going to take action on, and I will give you the structure for my own personal 30-day challenge system. And plus, you can follow me on Instagram because I share a ton of just insight and, and strategy and stuff there. Instagram's where I rock it, so it's at the triumphant life. Awesome, man. Appreciate you. Any, uh, any last thoughts that you would leave to, I, I think the biggest thing as an entrepreneur is, is you don't realize how lonely it can be. Sometimes it can, like, even if you get in these masterminds and you got a community of people, like when all the, when the phone shuts off, we shut the computer off and you and I go do our own things. Like it's going to be you and you and me and me, you know, it doesn't matter. Like I've got employees. It's so t talk about that for one quick second, that, that guy that maybe is, he's feeling lonely, yeah. right? He, he's got this desire to move to a new level that he's currently at, struggling with fear, doubt. Oh, by the way, all the same things that I, I believe you'll, you'll struggle with all the time. And I've got coaches that, that do hundreds of millions of dollars a year, and it's the same exact thing for them. So talk to that guy for a second or girl. Ladies and gents, uh, the biggest thing that I would tell anybody is stop looking at other people's lives and what you think that you're supposed to want and have. Get very, very clear on what do you want. I call it my three to be method, three steps to break through. What do you want? Like in your heart and in your soul, what do you want? Not what you saw on TikTok or not what you think your family wants you to have. What do you want out of your life, out of your business, out of your income, out of your health, out of your fitness? 
Number two, why do you want it? Like in your heart and soul, close your eyes and think about why do you want that? And three, how are you going to get it? What are the daily disciplines and habits that are going to get you there? Awesome. That's the biggest thing that I would share to anybody. Stay in your own lane. Oftentimes we look at somebody that we look up to a guru, get on their private jet, pulling up in a Rolls Royce. You have to understand they're no different than you. They're just 10 years ahead of you. And so don't think that like you can't have that, but is that what you really want? Yeah. You know, oftentimes we see a guy getting in a private jet. We're like, I want the private jet. Dude, I talked to a guy. He just wanted a hundred grand cash in the bank to make sure that his kid could go through college. Mm-hmm. Is that who's right or who's wrong? One has a goal for a private jet. One has to put his kid through college. They're both right, but those goals mean something to him. So I believe in staying in your own lane. Don't get me wrong, dreaming big and looking at other people and, and emulating success. Sure. But find a goal that means something to you that you are absolutely on fire for, like to have this, this huge passion for. What do you want? Why do you want that? And how are you going to go get it? And the last thing I would share with anybody, if this inspired you, is that thing that you want, call it a new health workout, grow your business, start a new side hustle, invest with you in real estate, whatever that is. Let me ask you this question. What's stopping you? What's stopping you with all the tools and the technology that we have available to us today? Okay. What is really stopping you? Hmm. And if that thing, I said this to an author last night, he wanted to write a book. And I asked him this question. I said, why don't you picture this? I call it the rocking chair test, Terrence. I said, when you're, when you're 85, you're rocking in a rocking chair, sitting on your patio, would you regret not doing that? And we were using Hmm. his book as an example. He goes, I would absolutely regret not doing that. I was like, then you need to find a way to go do this. Because that you at 85 is going to regret you not making this decision. So let's say you roll the dice. Let's say you try it. And this is what I use for him with the book. I said, let's say you write it and you don't like it. Well, then put it, put it in a safe somewhere and hold on to it. But you at least did it. And so if you wanted to move to that new town or start that side hustle or try that new gym or whatever, right? What's the worst that happens? You try and you come back where? To right where you are today. Mm with a little bit more experience, a little bit more insights. Yeah, you might have a black eye or two, but it doesn't matter. You got in the water, you got in the ring and tried. And to me, I love somebody that tries. So like, if you're listening, everybody has that one fire goal. And as you're listening to me right now, you know what that is in your life. Mm -hmm. You know the thing that you want to take action on that has been stopping you. Just start. So what could you do in the next 24 hours? I love this, Terrence, and you've been at seminars with me. This is what we talk about, is what could you do in the next 24 hours to move you one step closer to that? So let me give you a last story and I'll I'll, I'll leave here, is I wanted to learn to run a marathon, okay? I'm not a runner. As we talked about here on this podcast, I'm an ex-college football player. I hate running. I despise it. But for me, I was paralyzed from the waist down. And this was two years after my accident. And I felt going from paralyzed in the ICU to running a marathon would be a really cool culmination for me and a cool staple for me to own. So I don't know how to run. So what do you do? You hop on Google. And how do I run? I started watching YouTube videos. And so the thing I want you to understand and everybody listening is you're not supposed to know how to do it yet. Because if yes. you knew, you'd already be there. So using a simple marathon running, it's not about me. This is just the story. How do marathoners run? What do they wear? So I found out that they wore those goofy-ass moon shoes. So I go to the moon shoe store, right? I buy the goofy-ass moon shoes. And I hated them. And they were like $400 or whatever, right? So I put these like freaking balloon moon shoes on my feet. And I'm like bouncing around town now. And then it was... Well, what do marathon eater? What do they eat? What do they What do they eat when they're training? So I googled that. Okay, this is what they eat. And I bought those goofy like goo packets. So I got like a a runner's belt on and goo packets, and I'm running with my goofy <laughs> shoes, and I'm sucking down these these goo packets. And then it was, well, how do they train? Well, here's their training schedule. So I downloaded a training schedule. And so I gave myself a goal from start to finish. I was going to run a marathon in 100 days. And this happened to be during COVID, and there was no like big rock and roll marathons. So I literally mapped out what 26.2 miles was. I drove it. We mapped it. I turned on the GPS and I went fucking go, let's go. And so I ran uh, 26.2 miles. Didn't know what I was doing, but how do you do it? You find the habits, routines, and rituals of somebody that's already done it. And then just start 24 hours at a time, one day at a time. And over a hundred days, you know, it was crazy. Like, dude, it did the process. Ran my first mile, you know, on day one training, you know, seven days in, ran like four or five miles. And then I'll never forget it, dude. I was training one morning and the GPS was 13 miles. Well, Terrence, I'm not a runner. I don't care to be. I just wanted to do this. I had to Google how far half a marathon was on my run. And I was like, 
oh crap, I just ran half a marathon. Like I was alone and like, I'm high-fiving myself. There's nobody there to tell the story. But that was like halfway through my training. I was like, oh wow. Like, and so here's the lesson. What happens is when you emulate the habits, routines, and rituals of that person, when you model what they're doing, over time, through action and momentum, you start to become that person. So that was me running, right? And again, I don't run much, but I like I ran a marathon. So what could you do? Well, I'm not a big TikToker. Well, if you did a TikTok per day for 30 days, now you're a TikToker. I'm not a YouTuber. If you recorded a video per day, I'm not a podcaster. If you did a podcast per week or whatever, right? Like I'm not good at X. We'll just start because the thing that we have to understand is everybody started somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. And if you just got started and for seven days, you went all in, it takes 21 days to build a habit. So back to my 30 day challenge system. If you did this for 30 days, if you ran a mile per day per day for 30 days, you would have ran 30 miles, get in your vehicle right now and drive 30 miles and tell me how freaking far that is. And that's 20 minutes of your day. It adds up a video takes you five minutes. A podcast takes you 30 minutes or in this case, an hour plus, right? If you do the right things day in and day out, they add up. So back to the very last question I would leave with anybody, that thing that you want to do, what action could you take in the next 24 hours that would allow you to move a little bit closer to that direction and do that? And then the next day, do that again. And then the next day, do that again. Do that for 21 days. And you truly become that person in 21 days. Bam. Awesome. Perfect place to wrap up. If, if you're herring on fire, there ain't nothing anybody can do for you after listening to that. Hell yeah, so, man. I, I appreciate you taking some time. Dropping some nuggets, some red bearded wisdom on the people of Menace to Society. Yeah. And uh, FABL. FABL. Thanks for having me on, brother. This has been awesome. All right, brother. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Menace to Society. A Menace to Society. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button for more future episodes and share with other menaces that aren't afraid to stand out and smash their goals. Oh, and if you own a business that's generating 100000 or more and you want to explode your business with more revenue while working less, head on over to BeAMenace.com. You owe it to yourself.